0: Okay, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Uh, I looked back, you know, this is uh, December 31st, kind of retrospective. Um, a year ago we were in, let's see, a year ago we were wrapping up Isaiah. We had a couple Christmas type messages. Um, the first Sunday in January we started James. I remember James. By April we were in Acts Uh Two years ago, uh, we were in the fifth chapter of Isaiah. <laughs> we were in Isaiah all of 2016. Um, and uh, it's just been uh, good to, to look at this journey and uh, to look forward to the new things that we're going to do. You'll remember that when we finish up in Acts, we're going to be moving to Daniel. Uh, it'll be here before you know it. Um, there are 28 chapters in Acts. Um, we're in 20, but the pace starts to pick up. And um, uh, just like when uh, Luke uh, did the Gospel of Luke, about the last third of the book of Luke is all about the last week of Christ's life. You know, the, the crucifixion week and Palm Sunday and then forward, and it, the pace really picks up. You kind of get that feel here in Acts that this last third of the book going to pick up and and you'll kind of catch some of that today. But I think it's really apropos the lesson that we're going to look at because you're going to hear um, some farewells that Paul is doing. You're going to have some looking forward to the future. You're going to see um, him giving his um, parting advice uh, to some people. And it kind of has that end of the year, look back, beginning of the next year, look forward, sort of a feel to it, and I think it just fits perfectly for December 31st. So let's jump on in to Acts 20. So um, like often happened as he was wrapping up one place, we left Paul uh, there in uh, Ephesus and uh, the uh, silversmiths were in an uproar because they weren't selling their idols and it was bad for business and so forth and uh, he had to get out of town so in verse tw- uh, 1 of chapter 20 it says after the uproar ceased Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them he said farewell and departed for Macedonia when he had gone through those regions given them much encouragement he came to Greece uh, when he says Greece probably Corinth is where he was Verse 3, there he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews, we've heard that before, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. So, um, a lot there in verse 3. So, he's in Corinth, he spent three months. A lot of people think he wrote the book of Romans during those three months. That's a a good three months, right? Oh, I think I'll just write (laughs) Romans. It took, I think when we went through Romans, it took, um, at one point when I was teaching, we did like six months for the first eight chapters, and then six months for the second eight chapters. We spent a year doing Romans. He wrote it in three months. Not a bad little side project. When a plot was made against him by the Jews. Okay, so not only is there a plot, but he hears about it, which is always good. You know if somebody's going to make a plot against you it's nice to know about it 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 helps when you're dealing with the plot so he hears about that in some way i don't know if it's the holy spirit or just a really nice friendly snitch but in any event he gets word about this uh, because he was going to get on a boat now back then i mean and even now if somebody goes overboard it's not a simple thing to go back and pick that person up Right? Uh, you hear stories every so often about somebody who falls over and uh, if he had been kind of nudged over the side, um, uh, there was probably no going back there. Um, but he hears about this and he says, you know what? I think I'll just walk, thank you. And it says he decided to return through Macedonia. In other words, he's going back the way he came. All right. Verse 4. Now this is kind of cool and, and we could spend a lot of time talking about all of these um, uh, guys that are mentioned here. But pay attention to where these people are from. Verse 4. Sopater the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. Now, to be honest, wouldn't you have rather heard Daddy pronounce those? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. Fun fact I didn't know. You know the uh, the Trojan horse? The people from Troy? Apparently, after I guess a few hundred years, it wasn't called Troy anymore, it was called Troas. I didn't know that was the same place. Apparently it's the same place. Um, let's see. These went on ahead. So all of the, those basically seven Kind of new disciples of Paul and of Jesus, of course. Um, These went on ahead, verse five, and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. All right. So now, in verse five, we haven't seen those. um, Grammarians, help me. Uh, What are those uh, those pronouns like us and we? What do you call those pronouns? I should know that. Anyway, so we see those pronouns saying that Luke is back with Paul now. Uh, We haven't seen that in a while. Um, But it says, we sailed away from Philippi. You remember, Philippi was Luke's hometown. So he might have been hanging out there, doing some extra preaching. And now they join back up together. It says, we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. um, And in the five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. So this days of unleavened bread and so forth. Um, this was Passover, right? And we're going to, so it says a couple things. First of all, Paul was still a Jew. He was still celebrating those Jewish events, um, which is great. Um, nothing talks about Christ like Passover. I mean, it really doesn't. Um, five days we came to them in Troas, where we stayed for seven days. Verse 7. This is a, such a cool story, which I had forgotten about. Verse 7, on the first day of the week, when is the first day of the week? Sunday, Sunday. yes. I got really miffed, I got to tell you, our electronic medical record at CHS, I didn't notice it until like a few months ago, but the calendars start with Monday now. It really ticks me off. <laughs> on the first day of the week, Sunday, when we gathered together to break bread... So, Sunday was a work day back then, right? Especially if you were a Jew, Sunday was a work day. But it says, we were gathered together to break bread. So, um, he's there at Troas, and like he usually does, they get together with the believers. It says, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. So, he's teaching and preaching, and he prolonged his speech until midnight, Right? So you've had a full day of work. Back in the day, they used to have the revival services after work. Then you'd go to church. In my younger days, it wasn't, I wasn't a fan of the revival thing that went all week after school. I'm sure it was wonderful. Verse 8, there were many lamps in the other upper room where we were gathered, I'll come back to that in a second, about the lamps. And a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. Uh, This is Luke throwing his um, esteemed colleague under the bus a bit. And being overcome by sleep, that is Eutychus, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down. I heard that laugh. But Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms and said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. So here we have at the very end that, and not a little comforted. Remember Luke says things backwards sometimes by meaning to say, wow, they were really relieved that Eutychus made it. Uh, another fun fact, Eutychus means lucky. <laughs> but isn't that great? I mean, this is, this is really a great story. So we've got this lucky guy who is hanging out in the window. Now, there have been so many commentators who have talked about this story. So some people got, like, super, super deep on this thing, saying that the sleep that was talked about, um, this story also refers to spiritual sleep, and they talk about how in ancient literature and even in the Bible that spiritual slumber was synonymous with what we would nowadays call backsliding, and that... uh, here you have this backsliding uh, believer who falls out dead and then is resurrected and that that is a picture that you know when we sin and then die then God resurrects us up and this was just Passover and the whole resurrection thing and, and that that all fits and I, I thought, wow, that's really deep um, but I can, I can see it I can see, you know, the, the death and falling down and the resurrection. That's, that's great. Anytime you get a chance to talk about the resurrection, you've got you to gotta take it. So I think that's great. Some people have talked about all the details that Luke puts in here. Now, apparently, one of the knocks or one of the accusations against the early Christian church was they get together at night they turn off the lights, they have these orgies, and they sacrifice children. This was what they were putting out. Probably some of these Jews that were always after Paul were putting out these stories. So look what Luke says in these subtle ways that I never knew why he was saying it. Go back to verse 8. There were many lamps in the upper room, No, we don't hang out in the dark and have orgies. So Luke was saying, we leave the lights on, y'all. You can come check us out. The lights were on. Here was a young man. And it says young man here, but later it says the youth. People think probably a late teenager, probably 16 to 18. So, number two... Not only do we not sacrifice our children, we actually bring them back to life. That's more our gig, right? So I thought that's that's really that's really good. Um, so here you have these rumors, and just with a few extra details that he puts in there, just undercuts all that, right? I just think this is this is great. And not only that, if you want to check us out, we're still going by morning. When it's daylight again, and you can still see what we are up to. One commentator apparently didn't really have his physics right. He said, he said All those lamps took all the oxygen out, and that's why Eutychus <laughs> fell asleep. <laughs> My hunch is if the oxygen is really gone, the lights are going to go out before the people do. <laughs> Just saying. He was by the window remember? And that tells me he was trying to stay awake, right? When you get sleepy, not that this has ever happened to any of you, you're driving, you get a little drowsy, what do you do? Put the window down, right? So here's Eutychus. I think he's probably in the back row. It was getting hot, all those lamps. He so, says, you know, I'm, I, I got the window. I really want the window seat literally the window seat right he was you got it so i think he was trying i think he was really trying now paul uh, (laughs) wouldn't you don't you want to know what he was actually talking about this whole time because remember it says he knew he was going to leave the next day and it says he prolonged his speech until midnight now honestly i don't know what that means I don't know if that means that he didn't start till midnight, or that he was speaking and it was going on to midnight. In any event, it sounds like at some point Eutychus falls out, and he's not done by midnight. He goes on till daybreak. He has a lot to say. Um, I don't know. Meditate on that passage. I, I just think that's just really cool. Verse 13. But going ahead to the ship we set sail for Assos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged, intending to go himself, I'm sorry, intending himself to go by land. So they're leaving Troas Um, they're taking the boat Paul decides he's going to walk by himself which is interesting Remember, Jesus did this periodically He He would preach to the group then what would he have to do? He'd have to explain it all to the disciples, right? You remember that? You know, he'd preach. The crowd would get it. The disciples would be confused. I just think that's funny. Um, and then Jesus would get off by himself. Because it's draining to have to explain things to your kids over and over again. So Paul does this. Verse 14, they, they hook back up again. And when he met, it, met us at Assos, we took him on board went to Mytilene, and sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios. The next day, we touched at Samos, and the day after that, we went to Miletus. Verse 16, For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus, so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. So, Passover to Pentecost, 50 days, right? So he's already used up a few weeks, and he's trying to get to Jerusalem to be there by uh, by Pentecost. Um, Paul was at Ephesus for about three years. He, I mean, he knew if he went to Ephesus, um, it was going to be, it was just going to be um, hard to get away. You know, you never knew what plot was going to be against him. Uh, everybody would be wanting him to come to their house. You know how it is. He said, no, I'm not going to do this. But he bypasses it. This Miletus is um, about 30 miles away. And verse 17, it says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. When they came to him, he said to them. So, so he does want to connect with the church at Ephesus but he says, okay, you guys, the leaders there, y'all meet me. And, uh, and, and they do. And so here you have uh, what we're fixing to go through, um, some really rich teaching. Um, we know that, that Paul spent a lot of First Timothy telling Timothy, this young pastor, how to organize the church. Do you know what church Timothy was pastor of? First church, Ephesus. Literally, the first church of Ephesus. So Paul does some additional teaching to this core group at Ephesus just prior to Timothy becoming their pastor. And here's what he says, verse 18. You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you hear the Pastor Paul in there? Now we're going to see... The attorney Paul in the coming weeks, where Paul is defending himself against these charges to civil officials. But here you see Pastor Paul. This is the pastor that wrote those letters you know, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. This is the the Paul that is just pouring out his heart to these people that he cares and loves so deeply. And he's saying, you know, you guys know me. Back in the day, it was not uncommon for a traveling preacher to, to, possibly get the reputation that he was just there to make a living, just there to kind of, you know, tap everybody out, fill his purse, and then move along. And Paul's saying, "I'm going to be leaving, and you know, I, I want to remind you it was you know why I was there," and he's just awakening those memories of his time with them. Verse 21, testifying to Jews and Greeks, repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. John the Baptist talked about repentance. Jesus talked a lot about repentance. It was what they led with. You don't hear Paul talk a whole lot about repentance. Repentance. But it wasn't, I mean, he talked about the resurrection and so forth, but obviously it was still important. And he, he says, you know, this is what I told you about. Repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the gospel right there. Why do we need to have repentance? Because we're dirty, rotten sinners. What happens after that? We put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, realizing that because we're dirty, rotten sinners, there's nothing we can do. I think I'm going to go with Jesus because I know I can't. That's the gospel. Verse 22. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Look at what he says. I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Holy Spirit. I don't know what's going to happen, except that it's not going to be good. The the Holy Spirit tells me I'm going to be in jail and afflictions, as if being in jail back then wasn't affliction enough. Verse 24, but I do not account my life of any value nor is precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. It doesn't matter what's going to happen to me. What matters is that you remember what I said about grace and about God. Verse 25, And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. This is it, y'all. I will not be seeing you again. Therefore, verse 26, I testify to you this day I'm innocent of the blood of all of you because I didn't shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. You start to see him shift a little bit to get a little serious, to get the warning going, to say, you know, he's shifting gears, right? They have been just following him. And he's asking them to step up and to take it from there. Uh, I don't know if you even follow the Panthers. About every two weeks, they lose a receiver. And they keep saying the next person's got to step up and do something. I hope they do that today. But if they were that good, why weren't they starting? Right? Paul's saying, y'all got to step up. You got to step up. Because I'm not going to be seeing you. And, and, it, and it's going to get worse. Verse 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. <clears throat> the threat is not just from the outside. The threat is from the inside. That's sobering, right? Right? It's kind of, you remember the the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, as Jesus gathers his disciples around, and he's trying to basically say his last goodbye, and he's saying it knowing that Judas is in the middle of it. You kind of catch some of that flavor here. Paul might have even known that some of the people that had made that trip were going to be the very ones that were the wolves that were going to cause trouble. After my departure, fierce wolves, in verse 29, will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things. Verse 31. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night and day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You remember we studied Ephesians, right? First chapter of Ephesians, what's he talk about? Inheritance. The inheritance we have from the Holy Spirit. And here Paul is saying, he's able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who have sacrificed. You know, at least we know he's got his story straight, right? Paul is, he says what he says is Ephesians. Luke has documented what he says here. He's clearly the same person. Verse 33, I coveted no one silver or gold or apparel, You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In other words, I took care of myself. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, How many of you have heard, it's more blessed to give than receive? We've all heard that. Um, How many people knew that Jesus said that? Sometimes it's hard to be sure, right? We, a lot of things get credited to the Bible that really aren't. Um, the only way we know Jesus said this is because Paul just told us. Um, this does not show up in any of the Gospels. But Paul knew it's more blessed to give than to receive. In verse 36, when he had said all these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him and being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Saying goodbye is not easy. It's not easy. I don't know if you, any of you guys saw the Lord of the Rings movies. And at the end, and Bilbo gets on the boat, And Frodo's hanging out with the other people that he had been with, and they watch Bilbo get on the boat with the elves as he's sailing off literally into the sunset. And then they don't realize Frodo is leaving too. And he says goodbye, and he gets on the boat too. Leaving is hard. So, so many things to think about. I talked to a patient Thursday. He was excited. He had just been to a Dennis Rainey marriage conference. And he said one of the big things they talked about was have you thought about what your legacy is going to be? And if so, have you decided to do anything about it? So, homework. Think about your legacy. And is there something you can do about it? Maybe that would be the good start of this New Year's resolution, which all the world's going to be making in about 10 hours or 12 hours or whatever, how many. There should be a connection between what you purpose to do for all of next year with what you would want to be known for. Gosh, Something else to think about. Maybe you have had this may seem random, but stay with me. Maybe you've had a family member or maybe even yourself where a child has kind of gone off the reservation, as they might say. Things did not turn out. This is not how they were raised. I, he, I can't imagine why he did this, etc., etc. I've talked to a lot of parents, and they carry a fair amount of guilt with that. Who started the church in Ephesus? Paul. Who was their first full-time pastor? Timothy. Who was their next pastor? John. You know John that like wrote Revelation? That John? The brother of Jesus John? The John that Jesus said take care of my mom? He was their next pastor. That's where he lived until he was put in exile. Do you hear much about the church in Ephesus today? No. The last thing we hear about the church in Ephesus is when Jesus writes to the church in the second chapter of Revelation and said, you don't love me anymore. You've left your first love. About 60 or 70 years later, maybe be off a decade or two, already it was going crazy. So, you can have great parentage and great leadership, and sometimes things happen after that that may not be your fault. Just a comment there on the side. We better quit. Thoughts? You feel like you just got off a big boat and it was a long, long trip? I mean, there was so much here. Uh, I skipped over so much. We may have to go back next week. I don't know. Um, the whole world is going to be, well, not all the world. Um, the Chinese New Year is in a few weeks. The Jewish New Year is sometime. I'll never keep up with that one. But for many of us, it's the New Year. And um, we all think about New Year's resolutions. And so, and I, I don't have a problem with those. In fact, if you don't every so often say, Maybe I should purpose to do something different. If you don't do it at least once a year, then then you're not doing it enough. But try to make a connection between you know what you're doing, which New Year's resolutions are sometimes kind of personal, um, but how can you connect that with your legacy, whether that's family, church, work, whatever? All right, let's close. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that It is inspiring and um, uh, convicting and even entertaining. And I thank you that the same Holy Spirit that was leading Paul back then can lead us today. We thank you for Jesus and for being a part through him of your family. In his name I pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody, and Happy New Year.